Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here. We're talking uh, Elon Daily, part of the talking testing. We're talking Thursday. We're talking August fifteenth. That's right. And if you notice how good the sound system is in the Model Three, if you've got the good sound system in the Model Three, it sounds wonderful. Well, there's this Australian publication, mate, called CarAdvice.com, and it recently took to Twitter to give some insights about uh, this sound system. And this is from Teslarati. We love those guys. And it turns out that the person that they hired to put the sound system in is this XB&O engineer who puts or created a sound system that's better than the $12,000 Bang & Ulfsen option on the Audi A8 and basically just removed all the branding from it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Model 3 is a great car. The Model 3 has a great sound system. Now, no, I'm no audiophile. No, no, no. Not at all. But I do notice that ABBA in the Model 3 sounds delicious, delectable, and lovely. Am I right or am I right? Well, of course I'm right. It sounds wonderful. And it's not just because it's ABBA because it's a good sound system. I don't know, but if you're like me, you probably spend a lot of time reading about Teslas and be reading about renewable energy and thinking about how quickly we can get to 100% renewables and how we can electrify our cars, our houses, and ourselves, frankly. And you may have noticed that 80% keeps coming up. Yeah, 80%. So this is an article from PV Magazine. And this 80% thing keeps coming up because it seems that getting to 80% renewable energy is not that hard. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be free, but it doesn't seem that hard. But when you try to get above 80% sort of wind and solar, it can get super difficult. Super difficult. In fact, to get to you know 100% wind and solar as your renewable, you're going to have to put in a lot of batteries. And if you're going to put in a lot of batteries for, in order for it sort of to be cost effective, there's an MIT study that says... That battery technology has got to get down, or that storage technology, I should say. It's not just batteries. That storage technology has got to get down to $20 per kilowatt hour. Now, that is uh, not much and difficult to get to. But if you drop it just to sort of 95%, then you don't have to spend that much cash. You can maybe do it when you get closer to sort of $150 per kilowatt hour. And if you get to 80, 80s in, oh, that's just easy, mate. It's so easy. So if you can have a baseload of, say, nuclear or hydro of 10 or 20%, then dropping uh, the solar and the wind on top of that is reasonably easy, according to these MIT researchers. They've got some nice graphs here that show that, you know, that as soon as you get above that 80%, the cost for storage really becomes a big deal. You need a lot of it because it's intermittent. And so therefore, in order to make it cost effective, the cost of that storage has got to drop down a lot. Now, we don't know where this is going. And if we're just sort of thinking about lithium-ion batteries, the price of those are going to come down a lot. But are they going to get down to $20 per kilowatt hour anytime soon? I don't think so. We might be down to $100, $150 per kilowatt hour in the Tesla world. But to get down to 20 mm, it's going to be difficult. And you're going to need so much of it. 
So a lot of people, a lot of people that are smarter than me are saying, you know, we just need to think about just keeping nuclear around because it's carbon free. It's got its own issues, but keeping it around and particularly some of these newer devices to give us that 10 or 20% baseload because then we can do so much of the rest very inexpensively in air quotes certainly compared to gas and coal and all that other stuff. And uh, we can get to, therefore, 100% non-carbon, if not not renewable, and start thinking about it in that way. So those of you that actually know about this can now make some comments. But that made sense to me. And everybody at MIT is super smart, so they can't ever be wrong, right? Right? Now, we all like us some SpaceX, right? And we've been talking about the Starhopper doing some hops. So it did a static one, and then it did a little tiny jump. And now Friday, yes, that's right, as early as Friday, they could have their permit to do that much bigger hop, about a 200-meter, 650-foot hop from one spot to another to see how it lands. And if that works on Friday, they say that by September and October, they could be doing much bigger hops. They're going to be using one of their Raptor engines. It's got about 40 tons of thrust. And this is all very good. So if this one works and it doesn't go boomity boom and everything looks good and the FAA signs off on the permits, then they're going to be able to be doing big hops early as next month. This thing is cool looking. Like, go on to Teslarati, check it out. I mean, it is a weird looking cool spaceship thing and hopefully it's going to go hoppity hops on Friday. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a couple of years ago on the Talking Tesla show, I talked about the fact that I'd got myself an e-bike. This might be three or four years ago. And I really like it. It's a high bike. It's sort of one of these road hybrid ones that can also go off-road kind of thing. It's a fine bike. It's a good bike. It's a lovely bike. But, you know, things move on. And there are so many electric bikes. It is like the thing to get right now. It is just heated up so much. And I was looking at that bike and said, thanks, bike. You've been really good. But uh, we're going to send you to a better place. It's going to be uh, given away to a friend of mine. And I thought, but I really want to upgrade my electric bike. So you know what? I got one. I got a thing called a DJ Fat Bike. Because I was walking down the street weeks ago, and one of the kids uh, around the corner is zipping around on this electric bike. And it's got these big fat tires and looks like so much fun to ride. So I said, hey, kid, get over here. And I spoke to him about it, and this is a really interesting electric bike. So it does the usual pedal assist, but it also has this little lever, which mine doesn't, which basically you, know, you can drive it like a motorcycle. You don't have to pedal, and it will drive. And it's got the big giant fat tires, which the kid down the street, this kid, said that it actually works on snow, it works at the beach, and it works uh, you know, up in Mulholland on the roads up here where I live, and uh, it's super cool. So I got myself one. And the amazing thing is, is that it's less than half the price that I bought my first electric bike for. Less than half the price. I love this thing. I'll give you a full review in a week or two after I drive it around a bit. I drive this thing to work. I don't need to because work is not that far away. But I usually use it to sort of go up into the mountains uh, when it's late in the evening and just have fun with it. And then, you know, park it and go for a walk and that kind of stuff. There's still a lot of fun. Maybe I'll take it down the beach as well and see if it actually works down there. But I love these electric bikes, and apparently, so does the world. So does the world. It's nothing better than you come to a big hill, and you get the electric assist, and vroom, up you go. I'll tell you, for an old man, it's lovely. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the show is Elon Darling. It's part of the Talking Tesla Network, and we'll speak to you tomorrow. Hurry up.